Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated, which provides management, publicity, and related services. The show website is nhte.net and has lots from all episodes, plus links to social media and podcast listening platforms. Do be sure that you have also signed up there for the weekly e-newsletter. There have been some exclusives in the newsletter that either haven't been made public anywhere else or were at least first seen in the newsletter, so be sure you're signed up for that. The folks who get that have even gotten access to discounts lower than anywhere else. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Delray Beach, Florida, my guest is an entertainment industry executive with a broad range of titles, including award-winning songwriter, award-winning author, independent record label president, executive TV producer, entertainment consultant, former senior VP of A&R for Dolly Parton's management company, and a serial entrepreneur. He has also secured record deal offers with CEOs from the largest music companies in the world, including Capitol Records, Sony, Interscope, Island slash Def Jam, Epic, Atlantic, and RCA. He wrote a number one Billboard hit and was even nominated for a Latin Music Award. It's my pleasure to welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Jason Davis. Thank you, Bruce, for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks for being here, Jason. I appreciate it. So the intro could have actually gone on even more. We definitely will talk about what you're actually doing present day, which is a lot. But first, though, I have to take time out to thank everyone listening. If you did not see it in the weekly e-newsletter last week or yesterday, January 26th, in social media posts, I recently learned that this is compiled by listennotes.com. Now Hear This Entertainment is one of the top 2% most popular shows out of more than 1.9 million podcasts globally, which really, really means a lot to me. So thank you so much to everyone around the world who has been listening to the show. The seven-year anniversary is coming up next month, and that statistic tells me that you like what I'm doing here every week. So please hear the sincerity in my voice when I thank all of you who listen to the show every week. And on we go with episode 364. And Jason, before we talk about where you are in 2021 and get too carried away with all that, let's go back to the beginning so that the audience understands your backstory. Talk about the home that you grew up in and the role that music ended up playing and even one album in particular for that matter. Sure. Um, Grew up in a small town in New Jersey. Um, My mom and dad, and family were not musical but my dad did have a really great record collection and uh my earliest memories with music are being a little boy and i used to lay on the uh floor um of our living room uh, lay on the carpet with and i'd take out my dad's headphones and i would you know just go through his record collection put records on and you know just Kenny Rogers, the Beatles, um, Led Zeppelin, uh, Linda Ronstan, Neil Diamond. Uh, he had tons of great classic artists. And I used to listen to his records, and um, it, it made me feel closer to him. Um, 
And uh, then right around that same time, my first real friend that lived across the street from us, um, he would pin uh, vinyl album covers on his bedroom wall. <laughs> and and, and th- those were the two early sparks for me was my dad's record collection and those vinyl record sleeves on the wall of my friend's bedroom um, just sparked my curiosity and then I remember I saw Kiss as a young boy Mm. on TV and that was the first musical artist I ever saw and I remember being a really little boy and I was on my knees um, right next to the TV set staring (laughs) at it and I remember Kiss like spitting fire out of their mouth (laughs) and, and just being like Wow, I mean, it just seems so huge, and uh, the 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 and my my dad too. He had played guitar just a little bit when he was a kid, so he knew one or two songs. So um, there was a little a little bit there to spark me, but um, definitely you know my parents weren't musicians; they didn't know anything about the music industry, um, and uh, for the most part. We were pretty uh, typical, you know, household had a sister, younger sister that, you know, we uh, grew up, you know, she loved one type of music. I loved another. We would always kind of debate about music in the house, me and her. But uh, but those were those were the uh, musical memories as I was a kid. And what was that one album in particular that really played a role for you? Um, I, I would say there, uh, there's a few. Um, the first, uh, the first cassette tapes I ever bought were, um, I remember uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller, Wham, um, Boy George, um, so, some of the real classic '80s stuff I had on cassette when I was a little boy. But uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller was the first record that you know really hit um, when I was young, and then. Um, and then I started getting into rock music with uh, Van Halen, and then uh, the record by uh, Def Leppard, Hysteria. That record actually just cemented it for me. Um, when I heard that record, that was the most impactful um, musical moment of my young life, mm. and they were the second concert I ever saw. And I, I just remember uh, I had never been so blown away by anything in my life as that concert. I was, I think, 12 or 13, and it was just a huge tour, and they were a huge band at the time. And um, uh, But that record actually got really used in my life, um, and, and I would say very strongly that that record saved my life as a kid. And mm. God still uses that today with me. I mean, you know, the, the biggest driver for me um, doing what I do is to to work hard to create music that can truly uh, save lives and 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 change lives. So um, that record literally saved my life when I was 13 years old, and um, and still today, um, you know, 40 almost 47. Um, that is still, you know, when I wake up every day, that's the biggest driver in my life is to try to create music or be a part of creating music um, and developing artists and working with artists where the music really has a shot to do what was done for me. 
So just a quick little piece of trivia. What was the first concert that you saw, being that you mentioned that Def Leppard was number two? Uh, the first concert I ever saw was 1986. I was 12 years old, and it was David Lee Roth ah. on his first solo album away from Van Halen um, on the Eat Him and Smile tour. Okay. And um, that was that was pretty insane. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, just to be that young and see artists that big and you know packed arenas um those first two shows really uh majorly impacted me i'm sure i'm sure and it's a fascinating story because it's not the story that we're used to hearing of someone that grew up in a traditional music household where like you said you know your dad maybe played the guitar a little bit you know but it's not what we're used to hearing of someone that went on to a music career because of the household they were raised in what about your start in the music industry as a writer Talk about that and, and including the one valuable commodity that most people don't want to hear about in the business, which is patience. Yes. Um, well, I I was 23 when I landed my first song on a record. Um, it was with EMI. And I had been writing since I was 13. Um, so, not tons when I was 13, but I, I had... I formed a band with some kids down the street. We used to play in, um, in their parents' basement. Um, and I was the singer and we started writing songs when we were 13, not tons of songs, but definitely some handfuls. And then, um, when I turned 15, I had an acoustic guitar in my bedroom. And that really, uh, is when I, 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 I got very serious about songwriting at 15. Okay. N- not thinking I was going to do it as a career, but just, in love with it and um so it was it was uh by the time i landed my first song on a record it had been you know eight nine ten years of writing just hundreds and hundreds of songs and um the uh when i wrote the song the first song that landed on a record i knew it was the best song i had ever written and i wanted to record it with with a friend that i knew that had some recording gear mm-hmm. um and he he actually, uh, you know, his parents were building him a studio in their house, in the in in their house, and mm. he he started using that song that I recorded with him, kind of as his example. Like when people would come over to his parents' house and consider maybe recording something with him, he would actually play my song uh. to people um and say hey i could do this for you if you get, give me a few hundred bucks and i could i could record <laughs> a song for you this is what's possible yeah exactly and then um there was a signed artist it was a guy in a signed band that was local and heard that there was a studio and he was trying to make some cheap quick easy demos and this, so this guy in a signed band ended up you know at this hmm. uh friend of mine studio you know 23 years ago and and basically uh my friend whipped out my song and said hey here's an example of what i could do for you and the guy knew labels and knew record labels and he um he 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 recognized that the song could be a hit and he's like i I would like to play that song for some labels and next thing you know i was you know i had nothing to do with it i was i was getting a phone call i and i had just recorded it for fun i didn't think you know anything was going to happen wow um i didn't i didn't think getting into the music industry was possible as a kid Mm. um and uh i was from a small town and 
So I, I really would just record songs every once in a while for fun when I was younger. And I recorded that one just so I would have it for myself because it was my favorite song I'd written. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, I landed on an album and, and uh, the song actually was a radio single and went to number one and wow. won some ASCAP awards for it. And next thing you know, overnight, because this guy walked into the studio to re- record some songs, I um, had a music career and, and I was uh, looking at myself in the mirror saying, wow, I'm, I'm a professional songwriter. Amazing. So and th- th- that's how it happened in the beginning. Yeah, and of course, you know, it's not unlike when somebody all of a sudden gets something that they wrote and gets picked up on television, and they say, what other show ideas do you have? So I imagine that they were probably coming to you and saying, well, what else have you written? Yeah, I mean, the very first call I had with that vice president of that label, he asked me, he's like, do you have anything else? And I sent him, uh, you know, back then it was like, you know, you sent it in the mail. Yeah. Uh, but I remember I, I sent him a CD in the mail of some more songs I wrote. And literally, you know, a week and a half later, I got a call and he's like, I want two more of these songs. Wow. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, before I knew it, you know, I, I started landing several of the songs I'd written over the years on records. Um, and especially in that first, I would say, 12 months, I think I landed probably seven songs on records mm. in that first year. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was pr- pretty exciting time in my life. Well, and you remind me a lot of myself in the sense that I have gone to college classes and told them I'm a bad example. Don't go off of what happened to me because at the time I was interning for a national hockey league team and I graduated and they offered me a job upon graduation. And I said, this isn't the way it works. You don't get an internship somewhere and they hire you on the spot. So like, I'm kind of the exception to the rule. And similarly with you, I was mentioning patience before, like you have to have patience because it's not the way it works. Your songs just aren't going to get picked up, you know, seven times in the first, I think you said year or whatever. Yeah. 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 But, but I had also written, you know, I'd probably written at least 350 songs. Oh my gosh. And, and, and I'd been writing for, you know, nine or 10 years. So, ah, there we you go. know, I, I was, I, my skills were pretty sharp and, and, and I would, I would consider that that patience that you're talking about was really in the eight, nine, 10 years I was writing where I didn't even know I was being patient for something that was going to come later <laughs> for me. Um, you know, I was really just doing it as a kid in my bedroom for fun. Um, and, uh, but, but one constant you know, that I have seen over the years is whether you spend 10 years writing or you, you know, write with somebody else, whatever, you know, I've learned over and over and over again that when you have the right song, things just happen. It doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that it doesn't require some pushing or work or, you know, some luck here and there. But um, I have just seen it time and time again over these 20 something years that, you know, when you have the right song, things just tend to move and doors tend to open eventually. Sure. And uh, it's just the power of, of the right song. Yeah. But at the same time, I think it's important to remind those in the audience who are aspiring performers that you do need to give this some time. You know, we hear about people that move to Nashville every day and people that move out of Nashville every day. And 
Last month on episode 359, I interviewed Jen Lilly, who is actually very well known as an actress, uh, a lot of Hallmark Channel movies and stuff like that. But she had just done uh, a Christmas song with Brian Lanning, who had been on the show last July. And Jen talked about when she moved to Los Angeles, she said, I have a, I had a seven year plan for myself, which is yeah. pretty broad. But the point that I made to her during that conversation was some people don't realize that you do have to give a time and they give up too fast. And they say, well, I've been here six months and nothing has happened. So I'm going to leave. And you go, wait a minute, you've only been here six months. So like you said, it was a case of you probably didn't know it was you being patient, but you gave yourself a chance to get the reps. And as you said, you probably had you know a few hundred songs written. So I'm curious about your transition from writing songs to helping artists get record deals. If if you could talk about that, and and then even how you landed your first record deal for an artist. Yeah, I mean, I was um, from pretty early on uh, the idea of trying to figure out how do you get this major corporation to do a deal with you? Mm-hmm. That idea really excited me. And then uh, it seemed like a, a like a, a worthy challenge. Um, and then, and also to the idea of trying to help somebody else. Um, you know, when, when this happened for me, these were dreams coming true that I didn't even know I could dream. You know, I, I felt like, it, those would have been silly dreams and so like these dreams I didn't even dream fully and these silly dreams were actually coming true mm-hmm. for me and it was changing my life it was blowing my heart and mind away and um, the very first record label meeting I ever had um, was just really just me picking up the phone and calling labels and begging for five minutes of their time, <laughs> and, you know, just begging to play them one song. And I promise you I'll leave if you don't like it. <laughs> um, but the very first person I ever got on the phone was a guy named Marvin Peart. And he was, uh, in the Sony building in, in New York. And, uh, he was a vice president of A&R. And I, I remember I walked into his office and I played him a song that I'd written, which he didn't really react to that much. And then, um, I mean, this meeting probably lasted 10 minutes, but he held up in the meeting, he held up a picture of Mandy Moore. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, I just signed this girl. And I had no idea who Mandy Moore was because she wasn't released yet. Mm Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, I just signed this girl and she's going to be kind of in the same ballpark of a Britney Spears. And if you write anything that would fit, you know, a girl that looks like this and he was holding her eight by 10 headshot, mm-hmm. you know, let me know. And, you know, you, you could come back in and play me songs if you write anything that you think hmm. would fit this girl. And there was something about that moment where this spark went off in my head where like later that night I was pondering the meeting excited and I thought to myself you know so they're they're really looking for girls and guys and like they're, they're looking for people too and and that might sound silly but I didn't know anything about the music industry I mean I was trying to figure it out and just having him hold up the picture of the girl sparked something like maybe I could go find the girl or I could go find the guy uh, uh 
And so I started calling my friends who were like guitar teachers and, you know, had little home studios. And I, I started calling everybody in my area saying, hey, do, do you guys know any like really good singers or anybody you think is really good? Because, you know, I've, I've been like bulldozing with my per- with persistence my way into record labels. And I've got like some some open doors so if you know anybody amazing, like, let me know, because I might be able to get them into a record label. Wow. And, you know, I mean, that was just like the idea of being able to do that for somebody else. Because when I would go into these meetings with record labels in the beginning, I felt like I was like a kid in like the biggest candy store ever. I mean, I was just freaking out inside. Like, I can't believe I'm in Atlantic Records right now. I can't believe I'm in Warner Brothers. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> and and uh, I just couldn't believe it. So I so badly wanted to be able to do that for someone else mm. um, and, and help make their dreams come true and, and help that reaction that was happening in me you know, do that for somebody else. And so this guitar teacher guy that I knew in my area said he knew this 16 year old girl, um, and that she would sing a, a, a karaoke or I'm sorry, sing at open mic nights mm-hmm. at this coffee shop. And I went, I went to the coffee shop. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> and, uh, she, this girl sang and to me, she sounded pretty good. Um, and I, I sat her down after she sang karaoke and I said, you know, like, I think I could get you a meeting with Sony music. Um, and, and her songs weren't that good. Um, so I actually wrote a song for her, Mm. um, which by the way, she did not like at all. Um, (laughs) but I kind of begged her to, to sing it. And so I went into Marvin's office with a photograph of, uh, this girl Virginia and one song on a CD that I wrote and Marvin hated the song um, and he's like who, who wrote this and I was like I did and he's like yeah this is not a good song and I was like okay hmm. but he thought Virginia was awesome and he goes I, I might I might want to sign her um, wow. and then he asked me and then he asked me what my role was <laughs> and I didn't know what my role <laughs> was I didn't even know I was supposed to have a role. <laughs> and um and I just wanted to kind of get people into record labels and help somebody's like dream come true. Mm-hmm. Um cuz and you know and just build and use those people of me getting them in the door to keep the door open, yeah, you know, and yeah. and I was trying to find something to keep getting back into the meetings. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's really all I was doing. I was just trying to find something to pitch so I could develop that relationship and get back into that office. And, and I knew I had to have a reason to get back in and it was finding something. So did he sign her? Was it, was that the first record deal that you got for an artist? Well, she ended up, uh, you know, she, she, uh, unfortunately had a self-sabotaging moment Mm. and she, she got really nervous and she ended up not, it was actually going to be a meeting with Polly Anthony, who was the, president of the label at the time and she got so nervous she didn't show up to the meeting mm. um so that, that was my first go around with an artist mm. um and then it was the second girl another a different guitar teacher i knew in the area sent me a different it was also a female singer too and i i got her into a meeting with the vice president of atlantic records and he, and he ended up doing a developmental deal with her uh, um so uh 
you know, and, and I will say, but Virginia, even that first one, she did get offered, you know, they, they were ready to offer her a deal. So in, in some ways, I still kind of view that as, yeah. you know, my first yeah. kind of deal because I got, you know, to me, a deal is like getting the label to the point where they say, like, we want to sign this. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean that that that's that's the battle is to get that statement to come out of anybody's mouth. So, so. Well, we hear the word art used in so many forms: music, acting, photography, painting. Some people have even used it in conjunction with podcasting. As it relates to the music business, though, I've got to believe that there is an art to landing a record deal. Yes. Um. You know, I, I, as you've said, and you know, I've heard so many people, like it, it, things can happen in so many different ways. But I, I do feel that there is an art to getting a record deal, and I feel, you know, that that, that is an art I have massively focused my time and energy and resources into figuring out over these years. Um, but yeah, I do believe that there's a, a true science and art to it. But being that you've described kind of your backstory and, and the stories that you just told us, so to to present day now, has the art of landing a record deal changed today from, from what it was back when you were doing it and you didn't know that you were doing it? Um, for me, not really. Um, you know, I mean, I think sometimes people ask questions about social media and, you know, but for me i've always been a music purist and all the deals i've ever gotten for artists which thanks to god are are many but i have um i've just always believed if you get the right songs and you can coach up a singer and teach a singer how to carry the weight of those songs mm. um you know how to walk in a room how to answer questions how to dress how to um you know, stage presence, just, just, you know, performance, every vocals, you know, becoming a stylist vocally, um, you know, just if you can really coach up an artist and teach an artist, uh, over time, uh, and you can get the music right and get the right songs. I've always found that once you get to that point, getting a record deal is not hard um, what is hard is the coaching up and the teaching and and um, really getting an artist to a point where they truly can carry the weight and be competitive um, artistically and and uh, maturity wise and and also you know get really hitting the bullseye on a sound and hopefully it's a little bit of a unique sound and um, hopefully the the lyrics of the songs are just you know just a little bit clever. Um, and maybe they haven't quite been heard in a song before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the vocalist, the singer that you're pitching sounds a little bit kind of like they're unlike anybody else. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, like, you know, you, you could see that. Wow. Like they're not even signed yet and they really don't sound like any other singer. And and that's, you know, that coaching up and teaching process and, a guiding process to get an artist there is the real, real tough part of the art and the science of it. Um, but, um, you know, those are definitely some of the ingredients. I think write songs, a little bit of a unique sound, but that's still, you know, can work on radio, but like maybe it's a sound that 
that person doesn't really, you know, the singer doesn't really sound like anybody else. They kind of sound like their own thing. Yeah. Um, being a stylist vocally, like not sounding like other singers, um, you know, the, those are some pretty powerful tools to walk into a record label with. No doubt, no doubt. There's so much that I love about that answer that you gave, but including the fact that, and you just started to go there for a second, but one of the things that I love about that answer is that if you can present yourself with everything that you just described, then it really doesn't matter if it's 2021 where everything is digital or if it's back in the days of CDs or back in the days of vinyl. It doesn't matter if you have big social media numbers or just okay social media numbers. So I love everything that you said there. And it is at the end of the day, what's going to get their attention or it's what should get their attention. Like you said, the, the song, the sound, the presentation of the artist. So re- really good stuff. It it can all obviously get pretty overwhelming, which a lot of times leads to discouragement. So what would you suggest that artists do daily in order to reach their goals? I would say, um, I mean, I think artists should be working on their voice six days a week. Um, I think they should take a day off for vocal rest. Mm -hmm. I think they should be really torturing the finest details of their voice. Hmm. Um, You know, how are they pronouncing words? How are they, you know, what's their approach on this sentence? And I think, I think singers should record themselves, um, even if it's just on their phone, um, and constantly record themselves and listen back to their voice and play around with the instrument. And, um, I mean, like David Lee Roth, the first concert I ever saw, when he was a kid, his parents put him with a vocal coach that made him learn how to sing in other languages that he did not know. Wow. And she did that genius to try to get certain sounds and pronunciations and kind of reprogram his brain on how to sing certain words Mm. and, you know, become experimental and, um, not sing everything so straight and not sing everything so vanilla. And, uh, so, you know, I, I mean, if a singer should be, I think working on their voice, like exercises and working on chest voice and strength and um, and then really, really like recording themselves a lot and listening back a lot and really working on uniqueness and, you know, trying to sound authentic, but also, you know, the, the, the voice is a very complex and incredible instrument and uh it it can make all kinds of different sounds and i mean you see people impersonate people i mean elvis presley elvis presley was impersonating um an old singer on epic records the first singer ever on epic records roy hamilton so if you listen to old roy hamilton records which you could find on spotify or apple you're going to hear that he sounds identical to Elvis Presley. Mm. Actually, Elvis Presley just almost like somebody might um, do an impression of the president of the United States. Elvis Presley was doing an impression of Roy Hamilton. Wow. Their voices, their voices are identical and uh, you can't even tell them apart. So, 
you know, don't be afraid to be experimental and try things and mimic things and and play around. And then and then I would say, you know, I mean, if you're doing this by yourself, I mean, you are going to have to really be committed uh, to the uh, craft of writing songs every day. And I, I don't think you need to write for hours a day, but I think you do need to be disciplined and, and write a little something every day and maybe even make it a goal to try to finish one song a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just constantly digging into the, the craft of, of writing because it, it takes a while for it to grow and get stronger and sophisticate and um, so get sophisticated. Uh, but, um, and then, and then I think also too, just, you know, maybe even a couple times a month at, at a minimum trying to perform live somewhere in the area, whether it's a coffee shop or the star, you know, the star spangled banner at a sporting event, uh, you know, just, um, I think getting in front of people on a regular basis, uh, um, and, and having to grow in confidence with just how to connect with an audience, how to, become fearless as a singer in front of people yeah um you know i think that the more you do it um you know the 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 easier and more comfortable it becomes yeah yeah i love it i love it all all good advice very good advice i'm joined today on the now hear this entertainment guest line from delray beach florida by jason davis who as you are about to hear is president and ceo of 117 an entertainment company that works with a wide range of talent they are online, spelled out one one and then the number seven dot com. I will have a link to that on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Jason is also the founder of Noble Management, which you can find at noble management.com. In addition, Jason is also a partner in the Radar Label Group, which has been a part of selling millions of records and many number one hits. He is also a partner in Awaken Records, which is a faith-based independent record label. Jason himself is on LinkedIn, plus find him on Twitter, at 117Jason. And again, 11 is spelled out, and then the number 7, at 117Jason. I am rolling out a course that you can purchase to get tips on being interviewed, whether that's on TV, radio, podcasts, web shows, or even in print articles for magazine, newspapers, online media. In addition to all the do's and don'ts and tips and tricks, I'm also providing more than 15 different sources you can use to get leads to potentially get interviewed so you know where to go find these opportunities. In the course, you will not only get the videos but related handouts too so you can maximize your interview opportunities. Start by signing up for the weekly e-newsletter on the show website, nhte.net, not only to get notified about the launch of the course, which will happen any day now, but also because I will probably offer a discount exclusively for newsletter subscribers. Jason, what I also should have mentioned is in there is that you are also the author of two books, one called Your Love Pursues and the other titled Business Backwards. Your Love Pursues is a memoir. Can you talk a little bit about the book called Business Backwards? Yes, um, I... I wrote that book several years ago and um, it was just something that had been on my heart for a while. Um, you know, getting into business at a young age, I was 
you know, 22 turning 23. And uh, there was just so much I didn't know. Um, so much I didn't know about how to handle people. Um, and then through my course of business, not only, you know, just decades of doing business, not only did I make mistakes, um, but I watched a lot of people around me making mistakes with others. Mm. And, um, you know, some of it was a lack of care that I saw. Some of it was a lack of knowledge. Um, so, you know, business is so sensitive. Um, you know, it's for the person, you know, doing business. I mean, it's, it's somebody's livelihood and their family could be being provided for off of it. But then on top of it, you know, any business has clients or, you know, customers or, or you know, and just I saw so much, especially in the entertainment world where there was so much of people and I would say for years I was doing this uh, myself um, sadly um, not even realizing what I was doing but just um, I just saw so much of people putting themselves before the deal mm. and uh, p putting their interests first versus the person that you know you're going to do business with putting their interests first and caring about them more than the deal and so uh just just about you know really putting people first and any kind of deal or income or anything second um was something that was pretty big on my heart during that time period and that's what sparked me to to put that yeah and and thus the title business backwards uh, I did mention that you are the president and CEO of 117. The company works with producers, songwriters, artists, labels in all genres. On the website, there are artists ranging from Ariana Grande to Lady Antebellum to Justin Bieber, U2, Tim McGraw, a whole bunch more. I'd love to hear more in your own words, though, if you could share with the audience about 117. Well, I mean, that's really started the meeting with me. Um, when I broke through as a songwriter one of the early things I also did, which I didn't mention was I signed a few songwriters, um, myself and started pitching their songs as well. And, um, through the journey of just meeting with labels and, you know, trying to, in the early stages of trying to figure out the, the art, as you mentioned of, you know, getting a record deal. Um, I, you know, just started meeting more and more record producers and more and more songwriters and, um, it initially grew into me managing producers. Um, so especially during the years I lived in LA, I was managing several, you know, at the time, very hot record producers. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, it just kind of morphed into, um, also, you know, developing artists and, um, and, uh, developing producers and also developing songwriters. So uh, it started out as kind of managing producers, I would say, uh, solely uh, for a while. And then it, it kind of morphed into, you know, I mean, like there's a songwriter right now that I'm developing. And there was uh, a producer I developed, um, helped develop a couple of years ago that just had his first number one hit. Um, so 
working with songwriters and producers has always been a, a major passion of mine. So you're also the founder of Noble Management, and I love that on the website for the company, it says that your approach is, and you talked about this a little bit with Business Backwards, putting the artist first and considering them family, which is always great to hear in a business where it is easy just to take on anyone as long as the check clears, meaning there's no priority on really getting to know the artist and what they want. There's so much of just trying to get clients signed, period. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I talk with artists, some that I manage and others that, you know, may come to me asking about management, you know, where, you know, they previous, and I'm talking about signed artists, but, you know, the, the, there is um, sometimes, uh, you know, I mean, there are some great managers out there, um, but there's also a lot of managers that I just don't think they care deeply enough about what they've been called to in life and who they've been called to serve in life. And to me, management is literally, you know, just in, 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 in deep love serving another human being and fighting for another human being in love and caring about another human being. And um, I don't see tons of that in the music industry, but that, that, that is something that um, um, at this point in my career, you know, I'm very thankful to God for that. That's what, you know, that is our heart and, and our approach on it. Yeah. And I love that you're not afraid to put it out there. Like I said, on the website and say, this is what noble management is built on. So it is good to see because so many others won't say we're just here for the paycheck, but it doesn't take long to figure out that they're just there for the paycheck. Uh, when I was giving out the plugs for your companies and different online destinations, I mentioned two others besides 117 and Noble Management. My question is, how do you divide your time to give each one of the four the proper attention that they need and make sure that you're being kept up to date about what the artists under each of those companies is doing and, and what they're each needing and so forth? Um, a lot of it is just having incredible, incredible teams. Um, you know, I, I've got, you know, I mean, uh, just the most amazing team anybody could ever ask for. So, um, we just have a team of people that work where we work together and it, there is such a, just a harmony and a love for each other and, there's no competition. Um, everybody's really in it to love and serve artists like passionately and everybody works so hard. Um, nobody needs to be managed. I mean, you know, I, I have moments where I might be teaching somebody something or showing them a better way to approach something. But, um, the team we have is just outerworldly. I mean, just the best human beings, hardest working, just servant hearts, um, and just really care. So having a great team has enabled me where I don't need to always micromanage everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and I can, you know, pick and choose kind of where the priorities at any given moment have to be. So the priority for me is always shifting. Um, I'm jumping from one thing to another. Um, sometimes I'm focusing on, on one thing very intensely for 
two or three days, but then I'm jumping to other things. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, I'm very good at pinpointing, you know, as, as the calendar is moving where the priorities are shifting to and, and, and I'm pretty good at knowing where the time needs to be spent. But because of the amazing team I have, I can do a lot more than, um, I was doing, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Yeah. I, I, I can see that you did a great job of, of painting a picture and, you can tell that you have the same servant heart because, as you said, if you're just showing somebody how to do something better, it's I'm just trying to be in service to you so that I don't keep this information to myself and your job will be easier and I'm just sharing. I'm not talking down to you. I'm not reprimanding you. So I can I can totally get all that. But I wonder, you know, we've heard from lots and lots of artists over the last several months about how hard hit their livelihood was by the pandemic. What about your businesses and the side of the industry that you come from? How did the pandemic affect your business operations? And for that matter, how did you combat it? I mean, shocking, it didn't affect us at all. Um, and the artists, uh, the artists that I, you know, that are in the process where something like that could affect them, you know, they're, established and successful artists who you know have had hits on the radio and and have been i mean we 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 do a lot of preaching with artists especially when they when they start making it about you know financial responsibility and Mm. you know i'm always preaching to artists that you know you got to have money in the bank you got to have savings and i work very closely with artists i manage um with uh their business manager and make sure that they are saving money and they're being responsible with their finances. Um, and I'm always preaching that and often it's not needed, but when everything first shut down, uh, I guess a year ago, um, we kind of quickly, you know, I got with all the business management information with the business manager and just really made sure like, okay, how long does this person have in the bank? What position are they in? And everybody was, you know, all the artists I work with were thanks to God. Um, and, and it's also because of how smart the artists I work with are. But everybody was very, very, very uh, well positioned financially. Um, I think that the, the, uh, I think the shortest time frame anybody, any artist I was working with had in the bank was, was one year mm-hmm. in the bank. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, that, that kind of afforded uh, not a desperate approach and just to kind of wait as things come. And, and we actually, I mean, all different artists I work with got tour offers and show offers and not as big, um, not any arena tours uh, like before it was happening. Sure. Uh, before the shutdown happened. But getting enough show opportunities and decent show opportunities where the their living was not really that badly affected i mean we'll see how this next year is but um it it really that that, there definitely was a hit there but it but it was a pretty minor hit well and it even sounds to me and i know i'm making an assumption here so correct me if i'm wrong but it even sounds to me that you were blessed enough that it didn't affect your employees at these different companies that you have no i mean we didn't 
thank thank you lord for that i mean we, we did not lose one person and uh, you know uh actually i would say most people that i'm working with in our you know companies um i would say probably made more this year than they did last year so um hmm. uh yeah i mean I, i'm shocked saying that um but that that has been the case amazing amazing well, we're about out of time, and I know this is a tough question because you've worked with so many people for so many years. But before we wrap up, can you pick out a favorite memory working in music thus far? Um, I, I think I have I have two, and they're both in recent years. The first was um, there's an artist I developed to manage, you know, has as you know, has been having success in the business. And I'll, I remember the first tour, real tour he was on. He had never been on a tour bus before. So I met him at bus call. It was midnight. <laughs> and uh, we were sitting inside this building where we were supposed to wait for the bus. And he had never been on a tour bus before. And um, the bus pulled around the corner of the building. And as the bus was pulling up, this artist looked at me and actually like hugged me hmm. and uh, all, like, like, you know, just out of joy, like, you know, and like there wasn't anything really spoken. It was just like a hug. And it, it, it's, I don't know, just one of the more beautiful moments. Yeah. And, yeah. I get um, it. Yeah. Uh, another artist I work with his, um, um, you know his his family, like his whole family, really views me as family, um, and so you know, just I think the relational aspect of it is so unbelievably rewarding. And I, I would say a last one was last year. There's an, an, a girl we developed and manage um, uh, named Ann Wilson, and very very special. And uh, she, uh, thankfully, I happened to be sitting um, with her and her mom when I found out she was going to get signed to a record deal. And uh, the family had been through a lot. They had, you know, she had lost her brother. You know, obviously, obviously her mom and dad, you know, they, they lost their son. Mm. And a, a couple of years before that, and it was really brutal for them. And so. So like when when I told her that she was getting signed, after I hung up the phone, um, just to watch how she broke down crying and the tears of joy that they were, and you know her saying through those tears, you know our family's been through so much, and you know like I, I can't believe that this is what's coming out of it, that you know she's gonna end up having a music career. Um, because really her brother passing is really what sparked her to really go after music. Um, mm. So, um, you know, just, just some really, I mean, I, I was, I was almost going to talk about like some awards and, you know, the first time meeting some big presidents of labels and, but, but that's actually, you know, if I, if I was on my deathbed right now, it's, it's, it's the, and thanks to God, I'm not, but um, it's it's the relational, beautiful moments that, to me, are, are, are the most special. 
I'm actually not surprised to hear you give that answer because it's consistent with what you've said, not only throughout the interview, but but more so the second half of the show and you know the way that you choose to do business with people and. I think I probably would have been more surprised if you had said, you know, some kind of predictable answer that everybody sits hoping and waiting for. So, you know, God bless you for that attitude that you have and, and you know, the the boldness and the courage to, to carry it through everything that you do. Obviously, it's it's coming back to you and you've been very blessed with all of your businesses and, and your clients are, are obviously the beneficiaries of that and seeing it and appreciating it. So, uh, congratulations on all your success. And Jason, it was really great to meet you. Thanks for making time to be on Now Hear This Entertainment. I appreciate it. I appreciate being on. Absolutely. Listeners, that will do it for another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to Jason Davis, president and CEO of 117. Visit their official website at 117.com. That's 11 spelled out followed by the number 7.com. I will have a link to it from the show page for this episode at nhte.net. He is also the founder of Noble Management, which you can learn more about at noble-management.com. I will put a link to that too on the show page for Jason's episode on the show website. Look for Jason on LinkedIn or find him on Twitter. It's at 117Jason. And again, one is spelled out each time. And then the number seven, one one seven Jason. Look for his books too on Amazon, which you heard us talk about earlier. A reminder that I am rolling out a course that you can purchase to get tips on being interviewed, whether that's on TV, radio, podcasts, web shows, or even in print articles for magazines, newspapers, online media, etc. In addition to all the do's and don'ts and tips and tricks, I'm also providing more than 15 different resources you can use to get leads to potentially get interviewed so you know where to go find those opportunities. In the course, you're going to get not only the videos but related handouts too so you can maximize your interview opportunities. Start by signing up for the weekly e-newsletter on the show website, nhte.net, not only to get notified about the launch of the course, but also because I will probably offer a discount exclusively for newsletter subscribers. For now, that will do it for episode 364. I'll talk to you next week on another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment.